you know, most businesses, um, you know, you have what, what, what are known as these, these what Google coin, these micro moments, or they also relate to customer intent. Uh, and this would apply to, to nonprofit world just as well as, you know, e-commerce or Legion. Um, you know, these customer intent buckets, we kind of boil them down to, to, to four of them. I, I want to know, I want to go, I want to do, I want to buy. Only one, that last one, only one of them is, is um, uh, transactional. Um, and, the, and in the donor situation, uh, you might adapt that to I want to give because that's the, you know, the, the transaction state. Otherwise, I want to, you know, otherwise conversational. And so when you look at a, at a digital journey, you kind of think about customer intent, uh, think about these common tasks, and, and then kind of um, those four buckets of understanding the audience and understanding customer problems. Um, when, when you think about an optimization program, you're all about solving problems or resolving lost opportunities. Welcome to season three of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord. Um, okay, so I was thinking this past week uh, about language. I was thinking about um, specifically how prone to language trends we are. Uh, and, you know, there's this pervasive challenge that, that we have in nonprofit marketing. Half of us, 50% is a non-scientific study. I'm just expounding here at the beginning of this, but half of us are really quick to jump at new things. We want to know what's new. We want to know what's different. And we use those as uh, guiding uh, lights and beacons that we chase after, right? Half of us really do pursue new things. The other half of us in the nonprofit marketing space are slow. We're slow to adapt. We're slow to make changes we're slow to consider trends in the marketplace. So, so for among those who are on the quick to move, um, let's say that that's the more progressive marketer, right? Um, th that group really loves jargon. Like th th that's the group that's going to be um, more likely to repeat things that they've heard and grab onto trends and run with them, even in language. And, and I was reading this as I was thinking about it, and I was just doing some research on why we use jargon and, and language, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I read this one particular post that talked about jargon and, and theorized that people that people use jargon so that they can either sound important, sound intelligent, or show competence. And um, that's, that matters for us, especially in light of, of this episode, uh, because today's episode could be looked at as full of jargon. Uh, I've got Ben LeBay from CXL, a conversion optimization agency, on this episode. And, and um, see, there, it even sounds like even at the get-go, right? A conversion optimization agency. And conversion optimization is an idea it's a phrase that we hear people use in the nonprofit marketing space. And there is so much meat behind the idea that Ben's going to get into that to me helps uh, break down the jargon into practical, methodical matters. And I love that. So, so Ben's the research director at CXL. He's also an activist uh, with animal welfare and environmental based causes. Um, he regularly speaks, but beyond that in his day-to-day -day work, he helps 
architect uh, significant research studies and conversion optimization studies to improve uh, the actions that people are taking for commercial organizations and some nonprofit organizations. Another way to think of it, and you're going to hear this phrase a lot in mine and Ben's conversation, is that uh, Ben's role is to help chart a course for tinkering, right? For, for tinkering with how people take actions. So formally, this practice, this tinkering is, is called conversion science. And, and that's a lot of where the jargon comes in. Um, so I, I really hope you enjoy this episode. I love getting to chat with, with Ben about the work that they do, the resources that they put out on their website, um, really to focus in, look between what's said and, uh, and, Try to dispel phrases that you hear in this episode that may be buzzy and understand the science behind those phrases, to understand the, the practical nature behind those phrases um, so that we can improve the actions that people are taking with respect to supporting our causes, right? It's good stuff. So uh, we're about to get straight into the interview. But listen, if you if you hear me using jargon on this episode, uh, call me out. Right? Hit me up on Twitter uh, or on Instagram. You can find us at Group Thinkers on both. And uh, you know, we like to have conversations about our episodes there. But um, also, you know, uh, give you carte blanche to call me out for. Geez, I just used. A quip. I think there's a difference in the quips and quotes um, and some jargon. But anyway, uh, let's get to it. Here's Ben LeBay on Group Thinkers. Well, uh, thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. Uh, I feel like this episode, we should have some sort of study going on behind it, just because of, of my guest on today's episode, that's Ben LeBay, uh, Research Director at, at CXL, the CXL Institute. Uh, ben, welcome to the program, and thanks for taking time. Yeah, uh, Justin, uh, absolutely. I'm excited to be a part of it and always happy to talk about optimization, but especially for the nonprofit world. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Sounds great. Yeah. So. Um, Ben, tell me, tell me your journey. How, how did you end up in the nonprofit or in the, the for-profit marketing space, in the digital marketing space? How did you end up in optimization and conversion science? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it'll be a little bit of a long-winded response. It's kind of a circuitous route, and it, it does tie back to, and the, or just not back, but just to the nonprofit world in general. Uh, I'm not by trade a marketer. I've been in this field for only about four years. I'm, I, I would say by trade, I'm a researcher. My background is in uh, kind of academia. I did conservation science as a staff researcher at University of Texas at Austin for uh, almost you know, six, seven years prior to starting work at CXL. And I was doing um, science and work around uh, you know, water data, fish data, and, and helping the government um, analyze that data and come to decisions with regards to you know, water quality or climate modeling, climate change, and 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 you know trying trying to put bounding boxes around uncertainty, considering some of the some of those topics. And 
And so in my, my academic background is in evolutionary um, behavior. So there's a lot of carryovers to thinking about kind of human behavior, running experiments, uh, trying to change human behavior, change perceptions and things like that. But the biggest carryover that I find, you know, coming from academia is just this idea of doing research, uh, you know, finding and staying on a line of inquiry, you know, as we're trying to answer uh, questions, solve problems, that kind of thing. Uh, so, and, and then, you know, I still sort of dabble uh, and work in that field. I work through a, a group called the Siglo Group uh, here in Austin and and I'm take part uh, as part of this nonprofit called nativefishconservation.org that, that I help uh, play with and run. Uh, so, and, and the CXL also has worked with some non nonprofits, um, at the same time. So definitely some carryovers uh, to there as well. Uh, so yeah, long winded response there, Justin. Uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of the short of the, of the story of what led me here. The long and winding road out of research and back into research. Right. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, I think a part of the beauty of, of talking to people and hearing, uh, how everyone's journey is a long and winding road in, in some way. And, and I particularly love, um, you know, the, uh, how you said I help play with, uh, yeah. you know, the, this is this group on the side, because there's, there's a little bit of the element of conversion science that is helping play with. I think that we'll, we'll talk about here, uh, in, in just a little bit. Um, so, you know, so, so you work in, research and optimization, uh, now at CXL and the CXL Institute. Uh, and so, you know, this idea of optimization, we may be at peak optimization now or peak use of the word optimization for us today. Now, I mean, it's, it's new, it's a new use of the word, but the idea of testing isn't new and it's certainly not new for nonprofit direct marketers. You know, we've been testing, uh, in offline direct marketing and direct mail for years, doing test panels, doing creative treatments, et cetera. Um, you know, you've seen a, a rise in online testing following the rise in online testing uh, from e-commerce, you know, maybe for, for sure in the last decade. Um, in general, Ben, do you think that we are, as marketers, are we good or bad at conversion science? Um, man, it's such a, it's such a hard question to answer to an extent. I mean, I think it's a scale issue in a way. I think we're solving problems again and again, and again, you know, over and over, um, you know, you mentioned direct response, I, you know, going back a hundred years, David Ogilvy, you know, doing a lot of, um, direct style, direct response style testing and within the kind of the advertising world. This episode of Group Thinkers is brought to you by the RKD Group blog. You might be listening on a mobile device right now, and if so, you can go ahead and open up a browser window and visit rkdgroup.com slash blog. When you get there, you're gonna find all sorts of resources tackling issues that are current in the nonprofit marketing space. There's channel-specific resources focused on direct mail, digital, multi-channel and even omni-channel. There's also hot topics like GDPR, mid-level, digital media, look back windows, and more. It's all over at rkdgroup.com slash blog. And now, back to group thinkers. I think that we're, 
we're creating some better systems uh, and we're getting a lot better at the process of testing and getting a lot more mature with, with understanding of what, what testing is, um, is, you know, how it looks like online. I think we went through a period where we thought it was sort of a silver bullet or solution, if you will. And now I see a lot of growth. Uh, uh, and I, you know, I get to get, you know, give credit to, to Pep Lyo, the founder of CXL in promoting process over, um, you know, solution and, and over these silver bullet uh, tactic type approaches. So I think we're getting better um, there. And it, but at the same time, I, I something fundamentally thinks that, you know, these companies out there, they're, they're not making decisions as companies. They're, they're, they're not, you know, Ford doesn't make a decision with regards to its marketing plan. You just have a bunch of people making decisions. And ultimately, you know, we fall back to, to confirmation bias or guts and, and we think about product and we forget about customers. We're still forgetting about customers. And so to answer the question, you know, are we kind of, are we good or bad at conversion science? Uh, I think that we're getting better at process, uh, but I don't think, I think I see again and again the same mistakes with regards to sort of not being customer focused and thinking too much about the product. Um, you know, I always give the example of, of like Kodak films or Nokia or something like that. They, you know, Kodak films thought that they sold film, but they actually, they, they didn't, you know, Nokia thought that they sold phone hardware, but they actually didn't and they, they failed. So you see a lot of those examples still to this day. Uh, I can go on and on about that. Uh, but, but so, yeah, so yeah. good at process and bad at thinking about customers. We're, so we're we're maybe we're better. Like we're we're evolving. Maybe we're better, and that's why that that's why you saying like I help play with. To me, that even those three little words help play with that that resonates with me on the state of where we are as marketers and optimization. Because there's there's this tinkering, and sometimes we're tinkering too much, or we're getting focused on the wrong element of the tinker. Uh, and not stepping back and, and thinking about, like you said, our customer, our donor, the audience that we're, we're actually working to improve our relationship with. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I mean, it's, you know, the process can help that tinkering approach. And, and so you can systematize your learnings, which is, which is great. Uh, but, but strategically, if you're you know, playing around with perceptions of features and perceptions of your product uh, versus also versus thinking about perceptions of your customer pain. Um, that's where that's where I see a lot of success in, but still a lot of mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of you know your uh, your current focus at CXL? You know, as the as the research director. Uh, the types of projects that, that you and your team are working on, uh, both on the institute side, but also on the agency side. So the, the types of uh, research or the types of projects, like um, yeah, what do you yeah the types of, the, the types of well yeah let's cover both. I'm 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 particularly interested in the research, but I think that uh, the the group thinkers audience uh, would also be super curious about some of the projects. Yeah, cool. So I'll start with the research, I guess, and scale it up to the projects. And um, uh, I think the re with the research, you know, fundamentally as an agency, we're a bit of a boutique agency. We 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 work with on-site performance, um, and we do as you know some number of service uh, services within that kind of vein. 
We also do, of course, the training and the workshops and such with, um, relative to the Conversion Excel Institute. Um, but the services side of things, the research that we're doing for the clients fall into some um, these buckets around changing behavior and changing perceptions of you know customers, donors, you know people, you know that are experiencing a digital experience, um, and. You know, in, in that, that classical sense of marketing, there's the rubric of, you know, audience, message, action. And if we want to influence an action, to you know, we need to change up the message, but we ultimately, you know, we need to, you know, wind it back to understand that audience. So the research buckets to understand the audience, um, we kind of, uh, at a high level, put them into these four buckets of, of uh, perceptions behavior, motivations, and anxieties, those, those sort of four four buckets. And I've been talking about this a lot lately at, at some, a couple conferences, but um, we, you know, to understand perceptions, we, we, you know, of course, you've got UX benchmarking, survey work that, that we'd love to do, you know, we're, we're working with either your current donors or, or prospects or, or panels of, of people to doing more like market research. Uh, understanding behavior that, you know, user test, classical user testing, but also uh, trying to leverage voice of customer uh, tool sets, whether it's surgical using tools like Hotjar or more robust programs using tools um, like Usabella, for example, uh, you know, the, uh, with behavior side of things, um, you know, passive feedback, um, you know, crowdsource QA, there's some, some terminology there that kind of gives you a taste for how we tackle it. Um, and then motivations and anxieties, the last two buckets, we, we definitely put a wedge between um, understanding why, a, you know, in this case, a donor has the motivation to donate versus a donor that, that has anxiety about donating or has questions about, you know, the, about donating or, or uncertainties and things like that. And so we deploy these research techniques to, you know, get some voice of customer data on these two, um, these two areas, motivation and and on, on anxiety and, and generally through surveys and polls, um, on-site intercept polls and that, that kind of thing. So yeah, Justin, that's a real high level of kind of how we go in and tackle from the research side of things. Um, does that kind of cover what you were thinking about? Yeah. What, what I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's super unique and, you know, uh, I, I love, I love the, the work that CXL does and, and particularly love, uh, and pay, attention to the blog that, uh, that the team puts out with all sorts of thought provoking content around, uh, these four buckets on the research level. But I, I've, I've asked, so the research projects that fall into these four categories, how do you, how do you determine where your research topics come from? I mean, when you're talking about, you know, building out, uh, various different either propensity models or, you know, Price experiments. What is this a? Uh, is this just sitting in a room and all of a sudden an idea pops into someone's head? Is there a, a roadmap up against these four buckets of where you're looking to perform research? How do you and your team determine where to invest your resources up against the research uh, projects that you're doing? Yeah, good question. And that's like my one of the foundational roles of, of what I do as a resource director. So with the clients that we bring in, I, I, I kind of look at our, you know, meta research process and see it, how, how it, you know, overlays or dovetails with the client needs. 
and the, you know, the quote unquote problem that the client is, is trying to solve. Um, you know, most businesses, um, you know, you have what, what, what are known as these, these what Google coined these micro moments, or they also relate to customer intent. Uh, and this would apply to, to nonprofit world just as well as, you know, e-commerce or Legion. Um, you know, these customer intent buckets, we kind of boil them down to, to, to four of them. I, I want to know, I want to go, I want to do, I want to buy. Only one, that last one, only one of them is, is um, uh, transactional. Um, and, the, and in the donor situation, uh, you might adapt that to I want to give because that's the, you know, the, the transaction state. Otherwise, I want to, you know, otherwise conversational. And so when you look at a, at a digital journey, you kind of think about customer intent, uh, think about these common tasks, and, and then kind of um, those four buckets of understanding the audience and understanding customer problems. Um, when, when you think about an optimization program, you're all about solving problems or resolving lost opportunities. And, you know, an A-B testing is one tool in, in, in the, in the in the toolbox to uh, to see if a potential solution is effective in solving a problem. Uh, so there's a lot of things you don't run through A/B testing, right? You use other other tools and whatever, and, and, optimi- and optimizing. So, for example, like we, there was a e-commerce client uh, that we started working with a while back that was, um, you know, they sold uh, a, you know motorcycles online. And our motorcycle parts and, and accessories and apparel and all that, anything related to motorcycles, it was all online. And, and then, you know, we did research for them. Everything went well. And they've got a sister company that has online, is, they have stuff online and in store. And so we have a little bit of a different problem here where we have this in store thing going on. And the website is, you know, omnichannel. We've got to be considerate of, of a new set of, you know, a kind of different set of KPIs with regards to the I want to go uh, user intent. So when you're looking at a research program in, in, in this light, you have to think about like a different set of polls or different set of surveys to account for this different user intent. Um, and this, you know, in this case, especially you want to know and start to realize like uh, how many people are there to look for, you know, their closest store or to reserve something online to pick up at a store. And so you're doing things like top task surveys and, and, and things like that. Um, but you're trying to quantify, especially like, you know, that mobile halo effect, how many people are looking on, on mobile to then transition right, right. To, to buy or looking on desktop or mobile and then transitioning to the store to buy. So, yeah, that kind of, I kind of rambled there a little bit, but that, in terms of applying the research to the problem and how we kind of adapt, that kind of gives you a, a bit of a taste for it. That's, uh, it's such a parallel space, right. For the work that we do and working with nonprofits and, and, you know, uh, I love that, you know, some, somewhat of your, your language, you're translated over more directly into the nonprofit space, but so much of it is about understanding you know, the, as you said, the four buckets that you have, right? The perceptions, the behavior, the motivation, the anxieties, something that I've, I've heard you reference a, a couple of times as a part of our conversation and through other pieces where I've, you know, seen online or, or um, uh, presentations, et cetera, is this idea of customer perception and the voice of customer perception. Could, could you just maybe spend a minute, uh, just break it apart what this means, the voice of customer perception and, and how for a marketer, they can think about 
um, gathering data to understand that particular voice? Yeah, good question. And this um, this is a bit of a geek out area of mine. So, you know, we think about this term, the, the you know, user experience. Uh, in this case, on you know whether it's nonprofit or e-commerce, you have the you have this digital user experience, and there's these different dimensions of usability. And and here I, I take from a lot of work by uh, from Jeff Sorrow out of Measuring You. He's he's in Denver. Measuring You is his, his company and website. He's done a lot of really cool work um, that, you know, then we, we worked with him and I'll get that to, to that here in a second. But, you know, he's done a lot of great work at dissecting the user, this, this idea of user experience into these different dimensions of user perception. And, you know, there's, there's not only, for example, um, you know, how a user might perceive the aesthetics of a website. Uh, um, that's the dimension of appearance, let's say. Uh, but there's also the, the strict usability. So how usable that, that interface is. Uh, there's also the credibility and the trust, that perception of the website gives, uh, you know, a customer or a potential donor. Um, there's also loyalty, the, the classic uh, net promoter score uh, metric. Uh, the, you know, that UX benchmark measures loyalty. Uh, so these are each, you know, these different dimensions of user experience and, and you can set up standardized, you know, surveys or little, little polls with Likert scale type questions to, to measure that. The classic one is that net promoter score, right? And a few years ago, we, we worked with Jeff out of measuring you there to considering the conversion optimization space and specifically this idea of of a value proposition or success proposition. We wanted to understand uh, that perception, Like, does someone understand why I should buy or, or donate to this site instead of another site or this cause instead of another cause? Or after visiting or going through a digital experience, like I could see uh, buying from this shop uh, more, even though that I know these other sites, you know, all these other sites, I can see coming back to this one and, and actually, you know, transacting more. So how well does the value proposition and the benefits, um, you know, reach and penetrate the perception of a user? Uh, so we work to add in that dimension. Um, um, yeah. So, you know, yeah, that gives you a taste in terms of how we look at it and, and how we might go about in terms of benchmarking these uh, user perceptions. Generally, in terms of a research study, we're, we're doing it competitively. Uh, so you can, you know, benchmarks, you know, benchmark metric means nothing if you don't have anything to compare it to. So you can do it longitudinally yes. um, over time or competitively, you know, th those are different ways to play with it. Yeah. Uh, and then we, so you, you know, establishing this, um, this voice for the customer, to me, that, that brings us a little bit back to some, uh, to some extent, what you were sharing in the beginning of, you know, we're getting better at conversion science, but our own confirmation bias gets in the way. And, and many times, maybe that own confirmation bias is, um, is inhibited by the lack of customer perception that we have, whether or not that's, you know, an understanding, true understanding of the value perception or uh, our own uh, net promoter score versus, you know, a different element. I think that those things will obviously work hand in hand to inform or validate whatever test we may be doing. And, uh, you know, most often for in the nonprofit space, that's going to be tied to 
a donation page, right? A landing page from an e-commerce perspective where we're completing uh, an action and actually getting that guest. Um, you know, the in the nonprofit space in particular, you know, there's there's many similarities to the for-profit side, right? Um, especially when you get into the e-commerce side, nonprofits may be in some cases behind for-profits on their user experience, but you know, many of them have come a long way, certainly in the last five years. Uh, the the emotion that plays a role in a purchase versus a donation. There's a presence of emotion. Maybe the emotions are slightly different, but there's still a presence of, of, of emotion that's tied to those. And so that gets me to motivation. And motivation may be different in a, a for-profit transaction, a commercial transaction, versus in the, the nonprofit transaction of making a gift. Um, talk a little bit about motivation as a variable in your work uh, of understanding uh, motivation and uh, the helping play with or tinkering or setting up tests uh, and optimizing to help um, capitalize on that motivation at a greater percentage. Yeah, I, I'll back up and say, I think that motivation is, is from our van, you know, viewpoint, when we look at a site, we think about optimizing Motivation is the key conversion heuristic, if you want to call it that, or knob, you know, dial that we look to, um, you know, use to leverage change and leverage change in behavior or perceptions of of the customer. So understanding uh, customers' motivation in their own words um, uh, around not only the product, but the experience, this is just foundational. We even have a... um, you know, a lot of agencies use their own types of different, you know, prioritization frameworks uh, when you're thinking about road mapping for, for, for tests or, or for actions in general on a site. We have our own, uh, the PXL, uh, where we, it's a kind of an ICE model on steroids. If you're familiar with ICE, it's, you know, impact, consequences. Uh, but it's it's a bit on steroids where we break out that I, that impact metric into, you know, four or five different metrics that are binary with regards to the, how you score them. And one of those uh, metrics that, that that kind of fold up into that impact score is, does it a play on, does it affect customer motivation? And we don't have this another metric within the, the PXL that speaks to like anxiety or fears or friction or things like that. It's the only one we have in there is motivation because if it's going to affect or, or, or influence mo- customer motivation, we think that it's going to be more impactful um, wholesale. So it's uh, we, we think it's incredibly important to to understand motivation, understand how motivation is you know changes. We talked about perception just a little bit ago. Um, it, it's not only critical to understand the perception of a site, but because you need to understand how the perceptions and motivations and how customer pains are changing through time. Because if you don't keep up with that and, um, you know, depending on the stage of the, the, you know, product life cycle you're at, you'll, you know, we brought up those, those examples of Kodak and Nokia. I mean, you can forget about your customer pain uh, and start to get a blind spot and, and really lose, lose a lot of opportunity. And that's connected to motivation. You know, what's motivating them could be, um, you know, mitigation of, of loss and things like that. So, um, yeah. Such cool stuff. And no, it really is. And, and um, it, it's okay. This is a safe space to geek out. 
you said you said you're a researcher. You sure sound like a marketer to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in fact, I was I was chatting with my um, my one of the you know the the folks that loves paying attention to this podcast happens to me, my son, my 10 year old son who knows very little about direct marketing. He just thinks that it's cool that his dad's voice is on Spotify. Um, so, but, uh, he was asking me, uh, about your role and I was explaining to him and, and it's one of the, the few times where I've heard my son say, dad, that guy's job sounds really cool. <laughs> so, you know, so the geeking out, it's, it's, uh, proving out into, you know, generation Z as well. So, okay. So last kind of broad topic, um, you know, nonprofits are in this time of unparalleled data, uh, but there's also data privacy shifts that are happening and new regulations that are coming into place with GDPR coming uh, into the, the U.S. and similar, um, you know, uh, regulations coming out, legislation in California and Vermont, et cetera, which is, it's, it's really providing a filter for a lot of resource um, application for nonprofit decision makers, right? Where they're investing time, where they're investing uh, dollars and people, et cetera. Um, generally, we find that nonprofits are short on resources to gather, understand, and analyze the data that they do have. And that snowballs into being less advanced on optimization and less able to spend time on uh, improving their site, improving their donation page, performing research, et cetera. And so what guidance would you give to our friends in the nonprofit space on how they can baseline their own programs and improve their optimization or conversion science practices? Where would you tell them to start? And for those who have started, where would you tell them step two, three, and four is? Yeah, I, um, that's a good question. A lot of times we deal with companies that, that fall into this, you know, quote unquote data trap that have like so much data that they just, they place a lot of, you know, there's a lot of misused precision. There's a lot of um, wheels turning and, and, and time kind of spent analyzing, making plans, but not applying. Uh, in this case, you're, what you're kind of painting a picture of is more of a, um, you know, less of a, a data-driven approach to, to these decision-making and the, the optimization and the, and the solving of the customer's problems. Uh, if I were to start anywhere, if, uh, you know, going back to the last conversation we just had or the last topic we just talk, talked about with regards to motivation. Uh, so surveying, you know, recent first-time donors in this case, uh, people, you know, understanding how that segment differs from the whales, you know, the, you know, thinking about the 80-20 principle and, uh, you know, what sets the, 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 the VIP donors in this case apart from, um, from those new, the, the new groups, uh, getting that information in their own words, uh, analyzing that, setting up a system to, to fold it in easily. So it's just done in the background. Uh, for example, in your case, you don't have to experience like a quote unquote product in the nonprofit world when you're when you're looking for don donations. So a thank you page linked to a survey is a really low hanging fruit to 
you know, ask a question like what almost held you back from making the donation today? Or was there anything that almost held you back from making a donation today? Um, and you're doing that after the fact. So there's no friction. There's no, there's no harm in that. And you could, you could have it always on and see how the, see how the, the answers kind of change over time, depending on maybe the economy or the, um, or competition or something like that. You can also swap out different questions there uh, periodically. There's there's some different flavors of questions that you can ask. Like, what were the top three things that almost made you held back? Make them work a little bit, you know. Um, that that would be the the, the low hanging fruit. You know, the very tactical example of what I would implement right now. In terms of like two, three, what are the next things kind of going down the line? Um, uh, get. You know, again, I want to think about the seg. You know, you got to think about the segments. So, getting a little bit more sophisticated about about your own resources and who you're talking to, and making sure that that you know it's not only the first time um, donors in this case, but but also those 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 VIPs, uh, and then getting at the you know the hesitations, the per- those other types of perceptions that we spoke of. Uh, and in this case, I, I would think that uh, credibility, trust, that kind of thing, understanding. And, and addressing the the fears related to where is my money going, uh, that you know that I would think that that would be worth looking into, and that's sort of the other side of the coin from motivation. It's 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 more of that anxiety, fear, uncertainty, doubt type of uh, bucket. So polls there, maybe intercept polls. Uh, you can also put cool questions at the end, you know, on that thank you page with regards to that as well, and that relates to what I mentioned before, what almost held you back. Um, so you can kind of geek out with some different question sets there, but, but the intercept polls can, can add another layer for people that actually don't convert, which are the ones that you want to hear the, the, the objections from. So, uh, and then after that, um, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it can kind of come into these, the UX benchmarking type of stuff, the standardized survey where longitudinally you're measuring your site, uh, and the perception from your from your continuous and maybe new donors on on how you're doing relative to those different perceptions of of usability and of 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 um, you know in that case you know maybe brand even so I would go there eventually. Man, you just laid out a roadmap for optimization for so many nonprofits. You have no idea the uh and, and certainly as a part of that paying attention to the conversion excel blog uh would be a a key way to you know keep the fire stoked as you're going through each of those elements right absolutely i mean the, our blog is great and it's continually surprising me and 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 the bookmarking and um yeah i love it it's it, it's a it's a great resource and the institute starting to pump out um i don't know if you know, the listeners here are, you know, we, we've gone through a bit of a journey with regards to the production quality, the speaker quality. We've had some great speakers in the, uh, in our, you know, course instructors in the past. Uh, but just the lineup, what's coming out here is, and then the quality of, of the material and the way that the team here is, is pushing that stuff, stuff out uh, is, is, it's amazing what, what I'm starting to see come out of here. So if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, take a look there. That's awesome. Ben, last thing. Uh, where online can people connect in, with you? Where can they find you uh, if they want to you know, reach out about uh, a project or find out about the Institute and, and uh, speaking engagements that, that you and the team have come up, coming up? Where, uh, where can they connect with you? Yeah, we're, I mean, the, the CXL agency and the Institute, we're kind of all over you know, social media, but myself, um, definitely LinkedIn, 
Um, you can reach out through the website too and, 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 and kind of ferret your way over to me. Um, but LinkedIn, I'm a little bit on Twitter as well. Um, um, but LinkedIn, probably the, the best. Awesome. Ben, thanks for hanging out today. Appreciate it. And thank you for opening up some of the, the practices behind TXL so that, uh, you know, the group thinkers listeners can immediately map out into uh, future strategies, how they're going to optimize and make them better. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It's been a, been a pleasure. And yeah, reach out anytime and happy to have this conversation uh, again. Cool. Okay, there's the chat with Ben LeBay from CXL. And listening back on the interview, I was really taken aback by the methodical way that Ben approaches testing. And I love that. I love the step by step, the rigor, but also the patience and the intentionality at approaching testing. Uh, too many times, you know, we see organizations want to rush to the end result, right? Uh, you get swallowed up in poor test planning, and then you put a test into the field, and then you have to wait and wait and wait till the test comes back. And then you just have to retest it because it wasn't a, a well-designed test from the get-go. So I think that the tips that been shared are useful to help make us more methodical and ultimately better at conversion science. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Uh, don't forget to throw a follow to us at Group Thinkers on both Twitter and Instagram. Tune in next week. Uh, next week is our last episode for season three, and, and it's a good one. You know, looking forward to sharing that with you uh, when we bring on a different innovator, someone who's making a difference in the nonprofit marketing space. Um, yeah, so that's it. We'll see you then. See you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests. What's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers? Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.